Okay, good morning again. Well, a question to kick things off this morning and to kind of kick off our new series, what do you want? Could be an easy answer, could be a tough answer, depending on how deeply you dive into that question. We're going to go to various depths over the next three or four weeks, because right now, if I said, what do you want? Some of you might say, I want another cup of coffee. (laughs) I've had breakfast with some of you, and one cup of coffee is not nearly enough uh, I, I've had breakfast with guys where they pound 10 cups and then take one for the road. I'm like, this dude is digesting a lot of crap right now. Uh, so maybe some of you want another cup of coffee. What do you want? Some, some of you want this talk to be over so you can get on with the plans of your day, right? You're putting in your time, get me out of here, right? You'll be out of here on time, it's going to be all good, right? What do you want? Some of you want the guy in front of you to be a little bit shorter. You want the kid next to you to sit still and be quiet, right? So, so what do you want? But big picture, if we go deeper than that, Your answer to this question probably changes a little bit as you get older. Because when we're younger, the answer tends to be a little bit more external, right? It's tangible stuff, toys, experiences, goals, things like that. But when you get older, it starts to become a little bit more internal. Start thinking about relationships and memories and things that you would change if you could go back. But at any age, at any season, you definitely have an answer. What is it that you want? And if we continue below the surface, there can be a tension to this question, especially, I think, in our younger years because of the answers that we wouldn't say out loud. Whatever answer we were to give in the moment, even if those answers are true, there are other true answers that we wouldn't say out loud. What do you want? Because when we dig below the surface, one of the things that you want is you want your way. You want your way. You'd never say that out loud, but that's behind a lot of the answers that you would give. And what happens when you get your way all the time? Some of you are trying to teach your kids this right now. Like, we don't always get our way. And sometimes if you get your way, it's not always the best thing. Sometimes when you get your way, you end up just getting in your own way. I think all of us could recall a time in our lives when maybe you got exactly what you wanted. You got your way, and it resulted in you not actually having what you wanted. Maybe to get your way, you bullied your way through, or you pushed your way through, or you bought your way through, or you argued your way through. Maybe you used your personality or some gifts of persuasion. Maybe you used your size to power up and get your way. Maybe everyone backed down, and however you needed to do it, you got your way. And looking back, you got your way, but you didn't end up with what you really wanted. Now, some of it comes down to how we define that. What, is, what does it mean, what you really want? And we're going to get to that. We're going to get to it a little bit today, but over the course of the next three or four weeks, because there are other answers to that question, what do you want? You want your way, but you also want to do what you want to do. If you're asked, what do you want? You thought of a thing, you thought of an experience, you'd think of a person or a relationship, but behind that is this, you want to do what you want to do. But if you always do what you want to do, you can end up where you don't want to be. See, if you you always choose to do whatever you want to do, it's going to lead you to a place where you're actually more restricted from what you can do. And this place is called prison. You always do what you want to do. And that's kind of a, a silly thing. But if you think about it, once a person gets to a certain age, gets to a certain size, gets to a certain mental capacity, you can't really force them to do anything, right? Some of you have kids who are getting to that size where if they went dead fish on you, you cannot get them into the car. You cannot get them onto the bus. You can't get them to do anything. If it, You as an adult, if you chose not to go to work, 
If you chose not to pay your bills, no one can force you to do it. They can't force you to do anything you don't want to do. But what they can do is restrict you from doing things that you want to do. They can take away your options. They can take away your freedom. And so this question of what do you want, this starts to get a little bit more messy as you get into the deeper realities and the deeper motivations of your heart behind the answers that you would give openly. So you want your way. You want to do what you want to do. And another answer that's hidden behind your real answer is you want never-ending happiness. You want never-ending happiness, pleasure, satisfaction, gratification. This is what you want, and this is what I want, or at least that's what we think we want. Could be food, could be a vacation, could be more travel, could be entertainment, could be sex, could be alcohol. There's something that brings every one of us happiness, and we want it. And to whatever level we can afford it, whatever level we can make time for it or create space for it or conjure up enough energy for it, we pursue it and we want that thing to make us happy. But here's the kicker when it comes to that pursuit of never-ending happiness. Whatever the thing is, legal or illegal and anywhere in between, that thing, that thing that makes us feel happy and pleasure and satisfaction, that thing we want is addicting. And when something reaches that level, when it starts to become addicting, even though it's something that has and can bring us happiness, that thing starts to undermine its own ability to bring you happiness. It begins to control you, and it starts to lose its ability to bring you that happiness, that never-ending happiness that you want. So you want, deep down, you want your way. You want to do what you want to do. You want never-ending happiness and pleasure and you want it now. It's another answer behind our answer, and that's where it's messy, because what we want now isn't always what we want later. Some of you have lived this. Some of you have experienced this. Again, we all have that story. You wanted it. You had to have it. You needed to have it or do it or experience it now, only to realize that you could have waited. Maybe you should have waited. And if you had waited, that extra time would have altered what we really wanted. And then, along with that want, comes regret. Because we say, now that I've gotten what I want, now that I've gotten my way, now that I've chased happiness on my terms, in my timing, now I want to go back and not get what I wanted. Right? I want to go back and not sign that lease that I wanted to sign. I want to go back and break up about a month sooner. I want, to, I want to go back and not move or not say yes. I want to go back to high school and tell my friends we can't be friends anymore. Right? You, you look back and the things that you thought you wanted, if you could have just had more time, you would have realized that it was going to lead to regret. Because in the end, regret is simply getting what you want, but not having what you really want can get messy. And so you have to be careful about what you want. If you always get your way, you might just get in the way. And if you always do what you want to do, you might end up going where you don't want to be. And if you always get what you think you want now, it might prevent you from having what you really want later. And that's kind of the crux of this series, that, that tension, right? And, and it's not going to be a typical series, I want to warn you, because a typical series would be like week one, and then week two will kind of build on top of that, and then week three will kind of build on top of that. This series is going to be a little bit fuzzy in a way where 
there's a little bit of overlap from week to week, similar landing points maybe coming from different angles. And, and in this series, we want to allow you to sit with the tension of this a little bit from week to week, to, to kind of keep you feeling it a little bit, because that issue, that tension that's going to continue to come up is this, this idea of what you think you want versus what you really want. What do you really want? And once you know what you really want, how do you go about getting it? And this is the big tension. We deal with it within ourselves. We all deal with it as members of families and teams and communities. And this issue actually gets brought up in the book of James. And so um, in some ways, the scripture today isn't, isn't necessarily, like I said, to relieve the tension. It's, it's almost to kind of build on it and reveal to you that this isn't just human observations. This is something that God sees in all of us this tension of what we want versus what we really want. And so in this book, James is a brother of Jesus, uh, became a believer after Jesus rose from the dead and really became uh, a significant leader in the first century church. And he wrote this letter to the Christians that slowly got distributed around the known world and, of course, ended up in our New Testament. But in James 4, um, James hits this idea of what you want. And for him, What you want isn't the question. For him, what you want becomes the answer to a different question. And it comes after a section of talking about taming the tongue and how true godly wisdom is a peacemaker. And it kind of leads into this verse, James 4.1. And he asks the question, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? So the question is, what's the source of your issues? What's the origin of the tension that you're experiencing within your marriage, within your family, within your church, within your community, right? All these different places where we experience that relational tension. What is the source of that tension? And James says, the answer is, it's what you want. There's something that you want. There's something that I want. And when we don't get what we want, when we have to struggle for what we want, it spills out into the rest of your life and onto the people around you. Inside of you and inside of me are all these different wants. We want so many different things from so many different people. And when you don't get what you want, when you're not being made happy, when you're not experiencing the pleasure you want, when it's not all happening in the time frame that you want, that internal conflict becomes external conflict. Okay, Look at the person next to you, husband, wife, kid, stranger you've never seen before, and say, I know what I want, and I want it now. And now I want you to look back at that person who said that to you and go, I know, that's the problem. I hope I started some fights this morning. I hope I just ruined your Sunday afternoon, right? Because that is the tension that James is saying, this, these issues between you, these issues between you and your spouse and this tension with your kids and their tension with you and the guy at work and the lady down the street, what's the source of the issues between you? It's what you want. It's the chasing of what you want, the pursuit of what you want, the fighting and the spending and the manipulating all to acquire what you want, when you want it, how you want it. Let's continue into verse 2. He says, You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight 
and you do not have because you do not ask God. We'll get to that in a second. So you don't have, so you kill. This is hyperbole here, right? This isn't necessarily, oh, man, I didn't get dinner at the time I wanted. I'm going to go kill someone. We're not talking about actual murder, although sometimes we know that in the real world, it does escalate to that. What we're talking about is not killing a person, but you can kill a marriage. You can kill a relationship. You can kill a career. You can kill your personal finances. You can kill a reputation. You can kill a great opportunity. Again, that internal conflict, that internal tension. I can't have what I want, when I want it, how I want it. And that internal conflict creates the external conflict. And so you see that progression. You want, but you don't have it. And but you got to do what you got to do to get it, only to find out that it's always just out of reach. And that wanting increases, and it creates a major internal struggle. And that internal struggle erupts externally and erupts relationally. And in the midst of it, what did James say at the end of that specific verse? You skip God in the process, and you go about it on your own, your way, your timing, your wants. And now it's chaos. It's confusion and it's complications and it's tension everywhere. Getting what you think you want, pursuing what you think you want can be a huge problem. So how do you get what you really want? Most of the time I think we don't, really, we don't know what we really want because we're distracted by what we think we want. The things that we're told we should want, the things that we need to satisfy our appetites and our happiness addictions. What we really want requires a little bit more exploration because it comes from a place that we often ignore or a place that we put on the back burner. And so what happens when we do that? We get to the later stages in life, and maybe some of you have experienced this already, or maybe you've watched a grandparent or an aging friend go through this. You get to a later stage in life and you start to realize some things. Or maybe you get to a turning point in life. Maybe the dark days of a marriage or an illness or an unexpected loss or major issues with your kids or for whatever reason, you're forced to reevaluate how you're spending your money or how you're spending your time. Maybe you get to a point where it's almost too late. Maybe it's definitely too late and only then do you realize what really mattered to you. But I think most of us, since we're still in the early stages of this, right, we're still in the midst of it, we still have an opportunity to discover the difference between what we think we want and what we really want. So what is this thing that we're putting on the back burner that's helping lead to these issues? What are we ignoring? What are we forgetting about? And, and this is the thing that we're going to keep exploring over the next few weeks from different angles We're not going to go all the way with it yet, but I I do want to hit it a little bit this morning, and that's the next verse. So we'll hit James 4. Let's hit 2 again, and then we'll go into 3. He says, You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You kill your relationship. You kill the peace in your home. You kill your personal finances, all in pursuit of what you think you want. You covet, but you don't get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. In verse 3, he says, when you do ask, when you do finally come around and involve God in the process, you don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives so that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. James says, we keep God out of the conversation. And we've talked about this before. We did a series 
man, I think it's maybe two years now, uh, called Your Word, where we talked about God's Word, and we ended up kind of following that up with a conversation on prayer later that year. And what we said was, hey, what we noticed through the COVID years, what Christians were doing through the COVID stuff and the political stuff is we were pursuing every resource, every conversation, every bit of truth we could come up with except the resource that matters, except the conversation that matters, except the source of truth that matters. And so we keep God out of, the, out of the equation. We keep him out of the conversation. We ignore his resources. We ignore his truth. And if we do involve him, James says, we ask him and we come to him out of selfish, limited, what I want motivations. That verse literally says, you ask wrongly. You ask badly. And you're only going to waste whatever it is that you get. See, James is referring to coming to God and asking him for the things that we think we want, the things that will only temporarily satisfy our needs and our addictions and our way. And those things that we think we want, that clouds our judgment, it clouds our motivation that we come to seeking God. And what we discover is that we have an endless cycle of wants, but I think we'll also discover that God has something more for us than what we think we want. Because he knows what you need. He knows what you'd really want if you came to him with the right heart and the right motivations and the right perspective. And in many ways, it comes down to not necessarily what we want, but what we value. You'll never understand what you really want. You'll never discover what you really want until you explore and discover what you really value. And God has a lot to say about what he values and what we should value. And that's where we'll pick it up next week. But first, I want to throw this out because any series that we saw, this is, this is one of those kind of God's will type series. This is one of those what do I do with the next phase of my life type series. This is one of those evaluating everything from the top down type of series. But in the midst of all that, this is one of those, hey, I'd love to see some practical things change in your life. I'd, I'd love to see some tangible decisions made. But in the midst of all that, it doesn't matter if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's where it begins. That's where it ends. That is the beginning and the only source of any transformation that we might experience. So if over the course of the next three or four weeks, you might be, hey, I'm not really into this church stuff. My grandma makes me come. My wife makes me come. My, my parent makes me come, right? Whatever draws you into this room, if you walk out of here three or four weeks from now and you're like, you know what? I reevaluated my, priorita my priorities and I'm going to make these decisions. I'm, I'm going to reevaluate my budget. And I'm going to reevaluate how I talk to my family and how I interact at work. Fantastic. That's great things to do. That's good human stuff to do. But that's, that's only surface stuff. That's skin deep stuff. What, what I'd love for you to experience, if you're sitting out there and you're spending your life dealing with the surface answers and the skin deep answers, I'd love for you to experience something deeper, something where God is given full control and ownership of your heart and life. And beyond the surface, beyond the tangible stuff, he makes you new from the inside out. That song we sang, Here's My Heart, Lord. The beautiful thing about that song is God will willingly receive your heart that you offer him, but he's not going to give it back to you. He's going to give you a new heart. He's going to give you his heart. And so I want to encourage you, if you're here this morning or you're watching or listening some other time later, um, 
That's the tension that you really need to explore in the midst of this series. That fresh heart, that new heart that only Jesus can give you by his death and resurrection. That's what it's all about. What do you really want? Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for this opportunity to be here this morning. God, thank you for the words of um, even a song that we would call secular and yet the exploration of pursuing you, that Ecclesiastes type of conversation that came out of that saying, man, I have, I have tasted of things I wanted to taste. I have experienced things I've wanted to experience. I've gone places I've wanted to go. I've had the relationships I've wanted to have and yet I'm still trying to figure out what it is I'm looking for, what I really want. God, I pray that as we go over the next three or four weeks that you would um, dig into our hearts, use that tension. God, even if it's the last three or four minutes as we drift off to sleep, I pray that you would capture those moments, those quiet moments in the car, those quiet moments at home where you can start rooting out some of those things that we're pursuing that we think we want in the moment and yet we know there's something out there that we really want, that our, our soul craves, that only you can provide. Father, we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys. Have a great afternoon. We'll see you next week.